Good morning. I'm double micing myself. Um, for those of you who I haven't had the joy to meet yet, um, I'm Pastor Stephanie. I get to serve as one of the pastors here at West Hills Covenant Church. Um, and we are revisiting a sermon that we took a break from for Advent. Um, and I don't know if the sermon slides are up or not. Um, Maybe not, but I'm going to just keep going. Um, so anyways, um, we are doing a series called Rooted in Scripture, Faithful, um, Fruitful in Faithfulness. And we've been looking at these values that um, we've discerned over time with our leadership and staff um, that have the overarching theme of belonging and becoming, um, belonging to Jesus, belonging to one another, um, as well as becoming like Jesus, um, to be genuine, there it is, um, intergenerational, multi-ethnic, contemplative, courageous, to love mercy and to do justice. Um, and now we're in this place of courageous. I don't have a clicker, so you can go to the next slide. Um, and maybe one more. There we go. Um, and we're in this place of courageous, and this was actually a value that I confess um, that I kind of was really excited about. Um, and, and, I, and I think because we live in a time of fear, we live in a time of anxiety, um, and we need to have a community, a people outside of the way that the world is responding um, that is not fear-driven. Amen? Um, that's willing to take risks for the sake of the gospel and the aim for God's glory. Uh, Pastor Mark preached the biblical roots last week, so you can listen to that online. And he talked about how biblical courage submits our anxiety to obedience and hope. Um, he also talked about Christian courage um, being able to be about obeying the radical commands that Jesus left us to love God and to love one another, and to even love our enemies. That's the, the tricky part, right? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, God, God's purposes, God's command to love are first and foremost, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the disapproval looks. I just watched Frozen 2 last night. Anyone, anyone, anyone? Come on. And there's a song in there that says, just do the next right thing. I think that's what courage is. I think that's what even biblical courage is. The thing that's not easy, but we just do the next right thing. Friends, they have plenty of reasons to be fearful and anxious, just as Pastor Mark prayed. Big things like the fires in Australia and the Amazon, the earthquake in Puerto Rico, the potential war with Iran, unarmed black people still being shot in their own homes. And then there's the daily things that leave us fearful and anxious. Does this person like me or hate me? Will there be enough food to make it till the next pay cycle? Anyone? Depression, loneliness, a loved one who's hurting, disappointments at work, with family, with church, and with ourselves. And the big one we're all asking today, who's going to win the chili cook-off? <laughs> but throughout Scripture, 
God tells us in the midst of our fear and anxiety, what? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. He repeats it again. Be very strong and courageous. There will be trouble in your life. Those will not go away. But take heart. Take courage. I have overcome the world. So courage, if I can get this, keep going, sorry, <laughs> isn't it interesting that the lion and the Wizard of Oz, so the, the, um, the Tin Man, he needs a brain that's his head, right, and then there's, um, oh, I forgot, Scarecrow, oh, Scarecrow's his head, that, right, um, who was the other one, oh, <laughs> Tin Man, Tin Man, his heart, and then, and then the, um, the lion of all of all of them needed courage, um, and I got confused, so my illustration doesn't pan out because I thought it was the heart. Um, it, it should have been that actually the courage would have been the heart, um, because the Latin word for courage, core, actually means heart. Um, that courage is about the heart. That's why in Scripture it says wherever it says be courageous, it's also translated take heart. Um, so my, my illustration still made a point, even though I had it wrong. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen that. But courage, is the, is in the um, English definition, is the mental or moral strength to venture. And that word venture means to proceed especially in the face of danger, to persevere, to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. It implies firmness of mind that will, in the face of danger, extreme difficulty, but we'll still continue um, to move forward. It says fear and anxiety are still going to be present. Courage is not fearlessness. It is doing the right thing even when it's scary. So when was the first time that you remember that you were ever really courageous? The first time you had to really take a courageous step. I was in sixth grade. My middle school had two Koreans. I was one of them. I remember walking home from school, and the other Korean um, was getting beaten up by some boys, being called some racial slurs. I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember that I, um, it became a routine that I would break up that fight. My parents are here today. I never told them that. <laughs> Surprise! Um, and, and, and I wonder, I'm like, here I am, this, this girl, right, breaking up this fight um, of these boys um, during this time. And, and, and I keep thinking, I'm like, what was it? I was like, maybe because I hit puberty early and I was a lot taller than them. or I don't, They were scared of my big brother. I don't know what it was. But, um, but somehow, I mean, I never got physical, but just saying, stop it, um, always stopped the fight. Um, in seventh grade, there was another um, Chinese kid uh, in our school, and people came and told me that um, this other kid had, had called him um, the stupid C word um, because he dropped a football during PE. Um, and I remember going in the cafeteria in front of everybody um, and, and to going up to that, that guy and saying, hey, did you say that? Um, and, and he said yes. And I said, hey, that's not right. Um, and 
you, you could say it to me too, right? And I said, but you need to go back and apologize to that person. I remember those as like very core first times that I ever had to experience courage because when I, my sixth grade self, it, my courage, my, my deepest passion was about caring for people, for loving people, especially those who were overlooked and mistreated. But somewhere between sixth grade and ninth grade, I began to lose that center. I would have and don't necessarily consider myself courageous, um, but someone who is actually more fearful. Less and less I was attuned to look out for those who were sitting by themselves or who were hurt. And I began to only look out for myself and to think about how everyone else was looking at me. By high school, what mattered to me most was popularity and pleasing other people. I wanted people to like me. What, mat what I got addicted to was their praise. So much to the point that every year I was elected class favorite, which sounds like a blessing but in many ways was a curse. Because the downfall was is that whenever I wasn't someone's favorite, it hurt me deeper than the average person. If I sensed someone that was angry at me or would potentially be angry at me, I would do what I thought I needed to do to please that person or avoid their anger or the judgment and criticism. I would overly apologize for things that I really didn't need to say sorry for. I'd act in a way to win their approval even if it wasn't authentic to who I truly was. I lived more out of fear than courage. The point is this, that courage reveals what we really care about. You're never courageous about something that you're not really passionate about. Whether it's justice or greed, mercy or materialism, courage reveals what we care about because courage reveals our hearts. Recently, we went to the library, and Noah is into inventing, um, and so the librarian gave us a bunch of inventor books. Um, that's been really, really fun, um, and I keep going back to the children's biography section because I don't have enough patience to read a real adult biography, <laughs> but they're very informative, and I really enjoy them. So how many people have ever heard of Philo Farnsworth? Two people! Exactly, I was fascinated. So Philo Farnsworth was the guy who invented the TV, right? And I know, exactly, that's how I felt. And, and it's, it's fascinating as I read biography after biography of Nikola Tesla and all these people that I'm like, what, what's the common theme um, of these people? And you know, they notice that they have the courage to take risks for things that were never done before, despite even how difficult it was, and that so many of them were bullied and made fun of, and they had to figure out something that no one had. He was so dedicated to wanting to learn, they didn't have libraries, so the only thing he read was the Sears Roebuck catalog, right? Um, there was this passion, this purpose that was greater than the challenges that they were experiencing. There was this passion and a dream. So I, I've been wondering, wrestling, why and how do people persevere when times are anxious or fearful or difficult? 
And it is that core, there's some core passion that drives us. And for Christians, it should be, it is faith, hope, and love. Biblical courage risks and it reveals what Christians care about. And it should be faith, hope, and love. Faith. Courage has faith. Faith that we're pursuing God's glory even when it don't make sense. Nobody else can see it, but God does. Courage is having the integrity that you're knowing that you're for an, before an audience of one and that you're doing what's right before the eyes of God. Even if you fail and if you fall before others, that you're seeing what God does, what Jesus says. I love that in John. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Faith is that, and that courage that comes from that faith is saying, I see what God is doing, and I know that God sees. Some of the earliest Christian martyrs were Perpetua and Felicity. Well, it got translated into Felicity later. These women were martyred for their Christian faith. Perpetua was nursing a child at that time. And Felicity was her slave who was pregnant. There's this great faith that, that I am undoubtedly, courageously willing to risk my life because I believe in a God and I will not stray away from it. We are courageous when we believe it's worth taking the risk for God's glory and our neighbor's good. That's a very popular, famous historical covenant saying is that we are people about God's glory and our neighbor's good. What helps us be courageous is the faith that God's glory is worth taking these risks and it means that we can lay down our egos and our agenda. When I was, um, well, as I was moving towards popularity and people-pleasing as my main goal in high school, it carried on um, through college. And um, I was not yet somebody who was really following Jesus. Um, and my goal, um, my passion, was student government, which I look back now and we can all laugh. <laughs> um, uh, but at that time, um, at the University of Texas, like my goal was to be the president of the student body at the University of Texas. And I was very involved at the time. And, and I had put all of my time and energy, and this is a school of 50,000 people. So when you run for student body, that's a big, fat, hairy deal. I mean, it's, you're campaigning, and you're, you're in the newspaper, and you're, I mean, it's like legit, like what would you do as an adult, grown-up person. Um, and, and so I, I remember um, that finally I had, I had arrived to the place that I wanted. I was um, a two-year-at-large um, representative or like a senator for two years at the school. And what had happened was I had met Jesus. And this time I had met Jesus. And I remember um, being at my church and that uh, I, little me, who didn't grow up in the church and didn't know all the Bible verses or nothing, 
um, got invited to be part of this leadership group where they were training small group leaders. And I wasn't a small group leader, but I was allowed to just kind of be there and tag along. Um, but I knew that there was a conflict, um, that it was the night of student government meetings. And so I had this decision, and I had decided that I would resign um, my student government position um, because learning and being um, with Jesus was by far more important to me. And Philippians 3 became my life verse. But what forever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I haven't thought about this for a long time. Not the scripture, the story. <laughs> what is more, I consider everything a loss of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that is which through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so that now somehow I could attain the resurrection from the dead. And I love this part. Not that I have already obtained this, nor have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for what Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen? That is the courage, right? That when our faith is so consumed with God's glory and our neighbor's good, that all this other stuff of getting elected in a, in a school election, which you really didn't do much of the policies, to be honest, is garbage in comparison to knowing Jesus. Galatians 1.10 says, And now, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to please people, I will no longer be a servant of Christ. For Christians, our courage is coming all out of a place of pleasing God, of finding pleasure that God is going to be praised. Amen? We get confused with the ego, right? That, that humility means that, um, that we, we think that we're less, that we, we beat ourselves up. But C.S. Lewis says that true humility is not thinking of yourself as less, but thinking of yourself less. That we continue to strive to think more about God's glory and our neighbor's good. Amen? So Romans 15 tells us this, accept one another. Accept one another, just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, the whole reason why we would accept one another is to bring praise to God. God delights when we love and accept one another. And then the scripture goes on to say that they do this 
that Christ has become a servant, that we've become servants, so that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. That the whole point is that the Gentiles, all the nations, all of us, would praise God for his mercy. So the question of faith is this. Am I trusting God with all my heart and not leaning on my own understanding? Am I seeking God to be praised or just myself? And these are the questions that will move us to be courageous. The second is hope. That was a really hard PowerPoint to make. Um, hope is, when the, is that we're seeking God's purposes of God's kingdom, God's righteousness, God's salvation, God's justice, God's shalom, God's liberation first. When we when we don't see, when we see it, and that it's worth risking something very precious to us. That we're hoping that we're going to take this risk for the sake of the wholeness of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom, this nonviolent peacemaking kingdom, the sake of liberation. Jesus' hope was this. In Luke 4, he opens up the scroll. This should be a familiar verse, and if it's not, I pray that you rememorize it. He opens up the scroll in his inaugural address. He says, this is my mission statement, and he opens up the scroll to Isaiah 61, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the hope that gives us courage, is to see the captives free, to see the blind be able to see again. For prisoners to taste freedom. John the Baptist who Pastor Lynette wonderfully talked about, um, was, the, was the first, one of the first prophets in the New Testament proclaiming about Jesus coming, about this great hope um, that we can have um, and take heart and courage in. But then John's in prison, and he's like, oh, I'm going to go send my disciples and say, hey, Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Are you the expected one? Just just checking, because I'm in prison. I'm giving my whole life for this. I hope it's worth it, right? I'm taking courage. And this is what Jesus says to John's disciples to go back and tell him. Luke 7. Go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Yes, right? This is, is what it's worth being courageous for. It's worth taking risks for the freedom of others. One of my children's biographies that I've been reading was Sojourner Truth. He was born in 1797 and died in 1883. She was born into slavery. She was horribly abused. 
she escaped with her infant daughter. And once she was freed, she heard that her five-year-old son, Peter, had been illegally sold to a man in Alabama. This black woman from the South who escaped freedom and horrible abuse then goes to the court to to fight against the court for the freedom of her five-year-old boy. And she is the first black woman to ever challenge a white man in court and win in America. She became a Christian. She changed her name to Sojourner, meaning traveler, because she became a traveling preacher and abolitionist. She became a woman's activist. Um, She's famous for her speech in the Ohio Women's Rights Convention, Ain't I a Woman? She fought for blacks and women to have the right to vote and to be free and equal, even though she didn't even get to experience it herself. For the hope set before her. Brian Stevenson has been uh, called by Desmond Tutu the American Nelson Mandela. Brian Stevenson is a Harvard lawyer. He is a man of faith, and he is a man, for the last 30 years, has been fighting for unfair convictions of prisoners on death row. Over 135 wrongly condemned prisoners on death row, he has seen reversals, relief, and release. He says, my faith influences and shapes everything that I do because I believe that each of us is more important than the worst thing we've ever done. That belief is rooted in my conviction in the gospels of Jesus. I don't believe anyone is beyond hope, beyond redemption. I believe everyone's life has purpose and meaning and value. And that's why I've committed my life to defend basic human rights for everyone. I could not do what I do without faith, without a belief in the unseen. I was a, went to Harvard lawyer, Law School even though I had never met a lawyer in my life. I have a little clip. Um, he wrote a book called Just Mercy um, that has been made into a movie that recently has, um, is in theaters, and so I'm going to show this little clip. Um, and Michael B. Jordan um, plays uh, Brian Stevenson, and Jamie Foxx plays um, the first man who was on death row that, um, that uh, Brian had, had worked with to free. first time I visited death row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me. From a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, mama. But what you're doing is gonna make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm gonna do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God. Mr. McMillan. We done here. Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. 
You the lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you're going to fight for me. I did. That mean a lot. If you go digging in those wounds, you're going to be making a lot of people very unhappy. When people care about a thing that much, they'll do anything to get what they want. When I first learned about all this, it was like looking at a river full of drowning people and not having any way of helping them. You ain't quit, Miss. No, sir. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I know what it's like to be in the shadows. my dad. He did nothing wrong. It's never too late for justice. You're the only one kid enough to fight for me. If we can look at ourselves closely, we can change this world for the better. We all need grace. We all need mercy. I got my truth back. You gave that to me. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. And they say to him, Don't you know the danger? Boy, you don't you don't know what you're getting yourself into. There's this deep hope, this deep courage from his faith that comes and rises up. And for we as Christians, as we as a body of Christians, we have an opportunity to live out that courageous hope, to believe um, beyond the narrative that we're given right now that produces just fear and anxiety. We lack courage, we lack heart when we lose hope in the liberating redemption of God. When we begin to assume the worst of people, we assume that how they are right now is how they're going to always be. We take a microscope to dissect every flaw, to look at every move, every voice and gesture and tone, and we scoff at them. When we have courage, we hope that God is at work in the unseen that maybe that person is working that out with God even though we don't see it or haven't heard it. We move from taking a microscope and dissecting everyone's flaws and hope, the courageous hope, is then taking the telescope and saying, look at the stars. Look at the promises of God. Look, how, look where we can go and where God is taking us. Amen? That is courage. The microscope is cowardly. Thus hope gives us courage to humanize one another and to do the next right thing even when it's hopeless. I think of this church. I think of the people who were here in the 80s having conversations about whether or not women should be preachers or pastors or in elders or in leadership. That was courageous, right? You also have been a courageous church 
that at some point had um, a partnership and a relationship with a Vietnamese congregation, right? That came in and took um, in uh, this community that loved them, that became daughters and sons and brothers and sisters, that believed a different narrative of the time. Those friends that were here in this exact spot may not be here today to see that fruit. When this church courageously called their first female senior pastor, their first woman of color senior pastor, was courageous, was full of faith, was full of hope, was full of love. We are a people that courageously goes forward and that we stand on the shoulders of those before us, of the West Hills ancestors, so to say, right? That went through something hard. People were disagreeing and there were quarrels about this. I have some head nods. There was some fighting that, had to ha that happened in that discussion. We've come this far to not have courage, to keep moving forward. Oops. Hope asks this question, am I focused on the unseen promises of God's liberation and redemption, or am I just reacting from the current anxieties of the day? And love. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is? Faith, hope, and love, and the hardest of these is? Courage has the sacrificial love that lays down one's life for another. To care more about what God thinks than others, that God cares about how we treat one another. It's not about winning the political or theological debate by just posting um, on social media and taking someone apart in the process. If it's not founded and compelled by God's love, it is not biblical courage. Ru Guansun. All the Koreans in the room immediately know who this is. She was a smart child who memorized Bible passages only after hearing them one time. As a teenager born into the Japanese occupation of Korea, she became the organizer of the March 1st independence movement. She was arrested, tortured in prison where she later died as a teenager. The Declaration of Independence from Women of Korea says this, with tears rising from the soy sauce and hard work coming from the music, we will lie down on our beloved fellow, we will lie, lay ourselves down for our beloved fellow Koreans. Do not let the time be too early to do anything. Let the work run fast. 
There are people who are courageous because they believe so deeply with such a sacrificial love that they're willing to lay their lives down for, for not just maybe even one person, but for a whole people. And Jesus is the greatest example of that. That I lay my life, this is how we know what love is, is that we lay our lives down for our friends. We lay aside our egos and our anger and our judgment, our hypocrisy, our agendas, for the sake of the other. Oops, no. I was courageous to speak up for Young and Randy in middle school. But I didn't have the courage to be associated with them and to be their friends due to my own internalized racism at the time. I didn't choose to love, which is of the greatest courage. I remember I had the real privilege and, and joy of going to Boston in the summers to study um, in high school, and um, all the other Asian parents, I guess, had the same idea, because whenever I'd go to those programs, it was like all Asians. So I got to hang out with all these Asians in the summer, and I'd come back, and I'd feel a little bit more like proud of my Asian-ness. And I remember young, particularly, the first kid that I actually would, time after time, break up fights for him being um, beaten up for being Asian was walking in the hall and he shouted at me and he yelled, sell out. Courage is rooted in love and courage is moved, rooted in a love that moves closer to each other. The, the love that we, we think that is courageous when we say I'm just gonna speak up for something that I believe in, but if it's done in a way that's de demeaning and, and slandering other people, and it's not moving us a step closer to one another, that is not courage. That is not biblical courage if it's not rooted in love. So in the practical places, um, because this is going really long, um, <laughs> is that for some of us, for some of us who don't speak up, our step of courage might be to speak up. Um, it might be that we're not speaking up because we're, we're so obsessed with what other people think or pleasing others or um, whatever that, that may be, you fill in the blank. For, for some of us, it's having that hard conversation and standing up for just what's right. Um, being a Brian Stevenson, being a Jesus, being a Sojourner Truth, being you, Guan Su. Um, but for some of us, it's speaking less. For some of us, it's going to be speaking less. I call it no slander, no drive-bys. St. John Christosom, uh, early church father, says that slander is the revenge of a coward. My college pastor says this, that if your first thought is insult, choose intercession. Titus 3.2 says that we must not slander one another and must avoid quarreling. Instead, we should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Because the truth is, is that when we are obsessed with our fears and we're obsessed with our anxiety, we, we aren't courageous um, when somebody has hurt us or when there's been a misunderstanding. The first thing that we want to do is be validated by talking to someone else about that person. 
And, and that is where we need to, um, to take the courage to say, I'm not just gonna in my own mind love that person, but I'm gonna do the next thing to take a step to be closer with that person. The drive-bys don't work also. I'm gonna send a quick tweet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this one, one little short, piffy little liner to somebody just to tell them this one thing so I could just relieve my own anxiety. Um, but then you leave that person with a drive-by where you, you just hurt them and walked off. And that is not courageous. That is not rooted in love. The kind of love that Jesus does is that he continues to walk closer. And it takes a step of being honest and self-reflective and saying, what is in my heart? And am I moving towards peacemaking? So the daily courage, just to wrap us up, um, some, just some ideas, and it's just a starter list, and I'm sure you guys have better ideas than me. Um, but the daily courage stuff is, is maybe the stuff about, oh, I'm going to um, go and be in a place where people are, think differently or look differently from me, or maybe it's reading scripture critically in a way that examines my heart, maybe even corrects me, but maybe it's going and saying, I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? I was wrong. Or, I don't really understand this. Can you help me? Maybe it's being generous, not just financially in our and our money and, and having courage to actually be, um, have financial integrity, but, but maybe it's also generous in just the way that we're thinking about other people. Love asks the question, am I reacting out of my fear and anxiety or am I reacting out of love and peacemaking? And then I absolutely love what the artist, writer, Mary Ann Rackmaker says, courage does not always roar. Sometimes courage is like the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow. The goal, the hope, the vision is that in a church that we are gonna have courage to not submit to the fears and anxieties within ourselves and to each other and around the world, but to God and to God's word and what is true and just and right, and there will be fruit. And we may not see it because that doesn't matter if we see it or not, but there will be fruit and there is fruit. I've shared this story already with a few of you guys, but one of our neighbors on Gilcrest came up to me in an exercise class and said, hey, aren't you one of the pastors at my church next door? And I'm like, yeah. And, and I was like, oh, did we not take out the garbage? Or like, what? Oh, no. And she says, no, I follow you guys on social media, and I see what's happening there, that you guys are courageously having difficult dis conversations that our world so desperately needs, I see that you guys are also bringing in diverse perspectives here, like parentheses, she didn't say it, like in Southwest Portland. Um, and then she said, it makes me even want to go to church. I'm getting, I'm getting emails and texts and people visiting from people who are recommending from all around the city of Portland to all around the region to the nation, and this is by no means to say 
pump us up, but it's, it's a point to say, keep going even when it's hard for the sake of God's glory and the neighbor's good. Have courage. It will take heart and courage for us to live into what God is calling us to be. And I see this vision of this courageous community of faith, a passion about Jesus and Jesus' liberation for everyone individually and systemically in mind, heart, body, and spirit. And it will take requires for, risks for all of us to fail, to fall for God's glory and neighbor good. And we may not see the fruit, my friends but we will continue to press on with God's courage. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and I'll pray while you guys are walking up. God, I confess um, my lack of courage, the lack of heart when I lose it, lose the heart. And we're so grateful, God, that you are the God of mercy that forgives and sees. And God, it's our heart's passion and desire that you would help us to discern, to see what the Father is doing, that we may follow you even when it's hard. We know that we can't muster up our own courage or it's not about saying, look how strong I am, because uh, we confess, God, we are weak and we so desperately need you. But God, would you, would you fill us with your mercy? Would you strengthen our feeble knees? Would you help us to walk when we're too tired? To trust you with faith, to hope in your promises, and to love radically as Christ has loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.